0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone
2: you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other.
0: Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken
4: today.
1: This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Spotlight, Born to be Blue, Brooklyn, Where to Invade Next, and more. And on Tuesday, March 29th, the Bookshelf presents a reading by best-selling author Jan Martel at Lakeside Hope House at 7 p.m. The Bookshelf is an independently-owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more info about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca.
4: Massey Hall and Roy Thompson Hall proudly present three huge events in Toronto over the next two months. An Intimate Evening with Jonathan Goldstein takes place at the Winter Garden Theatre on Tuesday, March 29th at 8 p.m. April Fools, an evening of comedy at Massey Hall, hosted by Gilbert Gottfried with headliner Nikki Payne, takes place at Massey Hall on Friday, April 1st at 8 p.m. And of course, Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hey, that's me, that's the show. We're doing a live taping with the Minotaurs and an interview with uh, that band's Nathan Lore, as well as a conversation with CBC Radio's Pia Chattapadai. That's happening at the Drake Underground on Saturday, April 9th at 8 p.m. For more details about physical accessibility and to purchase tickets to any of these events, please visit RoyThompson.com or MasseyHall.com.
0: Creative Control with Vish Khanna.
4: Wow. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What an amazing crowd you are. It's nice to see you all here at the Black Box in the Great Hall for Long Winter. This is a very special live recording of Creative Control with Vish Khanna. My name is Vish, and we have... A wonderful panel here today that are going to talk about the toronto blue jays who here is a fan of the toronto blue jays excellent excellent well i'm looking forward to this i've been looking forward to this all day and i want to start by asking each of our panelists to uh, introduce themselves we'll start over here with you
1: um i'm stacy mayfels um i am i'm supposed to talk about who I am and what I do. That's usually how you introduce Um, yourself. I am a writer. Yes. Um, I write for the Globe and Mail. I write for the Walrus. Um, I also write a weekly newsletter called Baseball Life Advice, which everyone should sign Hey, ooh, Baseball Life Advice fans, thank you. That's great, Um, I told you, it's a good crowd. Yeah. They're very nice, (laughs) I can tell, they're very sweet. Um, Yeah, so that's me, I really love baseball. Great, and you just got back from Dunedin. I did, I just got back from swing training on Wednesday, so I'm very sad right now. So you have to be very sensitive with me and my feelings. Okay,
4: I'm sorry I made fun of you for the introduction thing, that was bad. (laughs) I, I will try to be better. I was going to leave, I, know. I I'm could tell. I'm going to wait it out. I could tell. You deserved, uh, you, I would have deserved that. But thank you very much, Stacey. It's great to have you. And you, sir.
3: My name is Desmond Cole. I am a journalist. I started playing baseball when I was seven, which coincidentally was the uh, year that the Blue Jays won the 92 World Series.
1: Oh, God, I'm older than you? How about a hand <laughs> for the Blue Jays in
4: 1992? <laughs> that was something. I remember that.
3: That was everything was what that was. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about the bat flip because that's why we're all here yes. right <laughs> obviously
4: yes Desmond it's great to have you back on thank the show you. thank you for being here and, cl- uh, Do you have that clip a clip from Desmond being on the show no the bat flip uh, yeah do we have a clip do we have a can we go to the bat
1: flip <gasps> Oh <clip>? my goodness
4: <laughs> no I'm, t- I'm being told the clip is unavailable <laughs> Tonight. Yeesh. those MLB with those rights.
2: Those
1: they NCAAs have, are,
4: yeah. We didn't get the express written consent and permission, so yeah, that's the other big thing. Uh, can you please introduce yourself?
2: Uh, my name is Drew Fairservice. I used to write about baseball. I kind of don't as much anymore, but I do host a weekly podcast called Birds All Day, and it's about your Toronto Blue Jays, and I don't always talk like this. It's just, <laughs> it's just something that's come over me uh, in this moment with the microphone. I, I have a hard time. But uh, yeah, I, we talk about the Blue Jays, and uh used to have another podcast and another podcast and another podcast and i've been writing about the blue jays for like 10 years or so and uh i am a bit of a nerd
4: nice so that's it uh before we continue tell me about your other podcast I was on a podcast.
2: I, I was... No, I was kidding. You just, okay. you mentioned
4: that you were on several there other were podcasts.
2: podcasts. I was, I had a podcasting job, which if oh. which is hard to believe that such a thing could ever exist I want or one of those. would ever exist again in the future. What was, uh, what was the podcasting well, we job? We did uh, a podcast called Getting Blanked, which was about the entire baseball world, not just the Blue Jays, and I was on, uh, hosted the Drunk Jays Fans podcast for about three years or so, uh, and then I also did a Raptors podcast and stuff. Nice. So, oh but, yeah. this is great. I'm I'm glad you're I'm here. in my element.
4: You are. Thank you. I am not. Thank you, you sir. <laughs> you sir, who are you?
0: I'm less in my element. But my name is Josh Zucker. I am one of the organizers of this event long winter. I also play in a band called Fucked Up. And Vish emailed me um, when he was putting together this panel was like, I need a musician to talk on this Blue Jays panel to kind of fit in. Who do you know anyone who likes the Blue Jays? I was like, Well I know Dave Bedini likes the Blue Jays. I know I've seen Dallas Green at Blue Jays games. I also like the Blue Jays. I will do it. And Veach was like, okay, done. You're on. Now,
4: I should say, I knew you did like baseball because Josh and I were in Chicago a couple years ago. That's right. A couple, three, four years ago. And you and I, we got to go to a Cubs game. We got to go to a Cubs game at Wrigley Field and it changed a little bit of my life. They lost and they weren't a good team at the time. But... I have only ever seen games Major League Baseball games In the Skydome, As it's properly known Correct And I have to say The experience in Wrigley Everyone yeah.
0: was really respectful I, I think they won actually Because I remember them Singing that song The, song, the Go Cubs Did Go
4: Did they song. win? Everybody, uh, Cubs Go are gonna Go. win today
1: No they didn't I think they lost
4: Hey 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 It was the Padres Wasn't it?
1: And we're off to a roaring start. Anyway,
4: my point is I had such a good time because I'm used to the pomp and circumstance of the jumbotron and the loud music and the people throwing paper airplanes and the hooliganism. And Chicago, Chicago was peaceful. And as I say, they seem to really respect the game. So I, I owe you a lot for taking me to that game. Yeah, you didn't
0: have the White Sox game. Different story know, down there. I know,
4: I know. And it was before, like, I believe... Have they already retrofitted Wrigley? Does anyone know? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing. It was like an old-time, like an 85-year-old telling you to buy insurance Were the ads. <laughs> it's like, you need to get this insurance, I think. It wasn't all the stuff. You know what I mean?
2: There's nothing like the Brotherhood of... of being shoulder to shoulder with another man and pissing into a trough, which <laughs> the rugby field experience is unmatched <laughs> that's, for that. That's it's a true. joy
1: I will never know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> have you been to other uh, diamonds in the? Uh... I,
1: I have been to many other diamonds. Yes, <laughs> um, I, I've been to California Diamonds and you know Dodgers, you have, Oakland, okay. yeah.
4: And would you? Com- how do you compare the experience to? Um, It's
1: interesting that you used the phrase Respect the game in there Like you just kind of threw it in there Because it's a really good segue I'm not from the city, I can say
4: whatever I want (laughs) No, what what, what, what were you going to say?
1: Just that there's this interesting Old school approach to baseball And new school approach to baseball So that could be a nice segue into a discussion About the bat flip Yes, (laughs)
4: Yes, <laughs> I want to talk about the bat flip because our host Stacy Van. <laughs> Good, you're right. You're you're very. I'm you're, um, thank you for producing this uh, panel. I Rather than it. me
1: take you on a tour of all the ballparks I've yeah, visited I don't know why and how I went on that tangent, like I could describe my dreams for you if that's more just, interesting. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I
4: was just gazing into Josh's eyes and I remembered our time at Wrigley Field. It was a wonderful time. Now uh, spring training. You were just in spring. I training. I was just at spring training. Thus, you are kind of an authority, I think, oh, uh, no. on the stage. Yeah. Okay. Did you go? Did you go down there? No. Okay, let's stick with Stacy then. Oh, weird. Okay. Stacy, uh, what was it like down in spring training?
1: It was heaven. It's basically when you die, you go to spring training. That's what happens. Um, I splurged on tickets this year—a whole twenty-four dollars for front row behind home plate. Wow. Yeah. And uh, there was this really great moment where like Dalton Pompey was was warming up. And the guy next to me was like, "Hey, I went to the same high school as you." And he turned around and he's like, "Here." And he's like, "Oh, really? Do you have Mrs. Simpson as a teacher?" Like it was it spring training is this surreal environment where like the players are like in your face. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you been before? 4 years now. It's my 4th year. That's amazing. That's and it, I mean it's funny because my husband does not care about baseball at all. So we go every year, and there's, like, one day the Jays don't play, so that's the day that he gets. He can do anything he wants that day, so we always go to an art gallery or something. But he, like... There's a (laughs) a
4: famous art gallery in Dunedin, Florida, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Where lots of... The
1: Dunedin Antique Craft Shop, basically. (laughs) That's... (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a really beautiful experience. It's interesting. This year, it they I went to two sold out games at Florida Auto Exchange Stadium, which I've never been to a sold out game in that park. Like it's who are they playing? Um, oh, see, and you're making me.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. You had, yeah, sorry. I had a beer. You, you know, had one beer. I know.
1: I saw them play the Sox. I, you okay. know. I, no, I just wondered They played Tampa Bay. If it's
4: unusual for spring training games to sell out, I wonder if the other team was as much of a draw. Is what I meant.
1: No, I think it's because we have a good team. Right. I, that that would be my conjecture on that. It's that people want to see them play now. Right. I don't know why, but they're just they're like, Oh, this is good now. I don't know.
4: Now I, I know that some of us have been observing spring training from up here. What stuck out to you while you were there?
1: I've never seen a submariner pitch before and that was mind blowing. Like Can you describe that? that? I can't, I want to do it right now. And the ambidextrous pitcher was very good. Like the switching of the glove thing and he's got two thumbs on his glove. That was fascinating. I'm a re, I'm a real, I love pitching. I'm really just into pitching. So watching this weird misfit toys pitching staff we have now is is really totally fascinating to me.
4: Okay. Now, Drew, you, I know, scrutinize the game very closely. What's sticking out for you about this uh, spring training?
2: Some of the players are performing better than I would have expected. That's my official analysis. No, it, it's very difficult to draw too many conclusions from when you're watching spring training because it's more of a laboratory than it is a competition. Pitchers are working on new pitches or trying to integrate things they would have uh, practiced all winter long on their own, yeah. trying to see if it's something they can implement then when the games matter. Uh, bad. They, they, there's a lot, lots of old saws. Oh, the pitchers are ahead of the hitters this time of year, where the hitters are trying to get their timing. Um, it's different than it used to be. It used to be, you know, they would drink all winter long and show up and kind of sweat off the weight, get themselves ready to go to ready to go to the season. But now there's so much competition, there's so much money in the game, that these guys start working out like December 1st. Season ends at the beginning of October. Right. Jay's season ended in the end of October. They're right back at it. You know, Aaron Sanchez, pitcher for the Jays, added like 25 pounds of muscle in the offseason. So he's trying to, you know, compete for a job. The Jays are a set team, right? They're yeah. a very complete lineup. So there's not many jobs up for, up for grabs, but uh, other than, you know, Aaron Sanchez uh, potentially being a starting pitcher versus a reliever. So, so it's, it's more about what are they, what are they saying, and, and is anyone going out of their way to perform in a way that is going to cost them their job, I think, which right. is not really happening.
1: Okay. Interesting. On this note, so I went to see a Phillies game, a Jays Phillies game, and Ari Dickey was pitching, and Ari Dickey looks really good right now. Oh, he good. Did, and he's lost, I think, the twenty-five pounds that it's, <laughs> they swapped it. They
4: transferred. Um, and
1: he, you know, he pitched a good couple of innings, and then I went to go get a beer, and then he gave up a home run. And then I read the recap after, and he was trying out his fastball, like he li- like exactly what you're saying. He's like, well, I was doing good, so I thought I'd try something I don't do well on. And I didn't do well. And it's fine. Like, it's, it's a really interesting environment where they just right, mess around. The,
4: the stakes aren't as high, clearly. And then, why, you're right. Like, it's an incubator, basically. They can try whatever they want. Right? Yeah, nobody cares about the preseason. <laughs> Except the pundits, right? Yes. Because you have to.
3: People who get paid to write about sports have to have something to talk about when the preseason starts. And one thing that I think is really interesting is Marcus Stroman, who is set to be the ace of the pitching staff now that David Price is gone and I think that there's an interesting question about like is the Toronto media going to try and crush Marcus Stroman's soul like they do to so many young up and coming prospects in Toronto sports with pressure and with expectations and Marcus Stroman just seems like the most resilient dude in the world.
4: Pretty unflappable, yeah.
3: He's come back from so much so I think he's going to be alright. It, it's a fun Young, exciting team—it really is.
4: Yeah, Josh, uh, you and Desmond—I think represent fans on some level more than analysts, so to speak. Uh, do you care about the spring like training? Do you care about the preseason at all?
0: No, I—I uh, care about you know seeing seeing the stories a little bit, like yeah. how it shakes out, who's going to make the team, who's not. But but there's very little intrigue or drama with the Jays this year. It's like they have a ton of amazing. Talking players who are going to be great this year and there's a couple guys are they going to pitch, are they going to start are they going to relief, but like last year I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on like second base and relief and right. this year it's like everybody's kind of, and that's all the reports right, it's like everybody's feeling good like cohesion well, among the team and.
2: You just want everyone to get through healthy basically, if you're the Blue Jays you just don't want anybody to get hurt like like Marcus Stroman did last year.
4: Right, well there is some off field drama though I think it's safe to say there's been some weird stuff going on. For example, the saga of the Ted Rogers statue. And this young man, for those of you who haven't heard, there's a young man who uh, online threatened to... And correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, people. But my understanding is he threatened to take a 700-foot statue of Ted Rogers... <laughs> And throw it... 700 pounds, maybe. 700 we'll go with pounds? pounds. Seven, 700 I think he feet. wanted it originally to I be think 700 feet. 700 pounds, thank you. I'm going to throw yeah. the CN Tower. No, he wasn't going to throw the, the CN Tower. Tower. This is why I said, correct me if I'm wrong. This young man threatened to throw a 700 pound statue into the lake. I think he said he was going to decimate it. He, he made various... Uh...
2: He
1: was going to throw it in the harbor. The harbor. the exact harbor. quote. He was going to throw it in the harbor...
4: If the Jays didn't re-sign Bautista. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. No, it was pay the man expletive, expletive. Right, pay the man. Harbor expletive.
4: Which in in itself, I mean, that's an online thing that happens. But the police were called by the... Rogers notified the police and they visited this man. Does that not seem unusual?
1: At 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday, which now is he w- kind of a dick move, right? <laughs> like,
4: <laughs> yeah, he was probably going to watch
0: cartoons at 10 or whatever. I don't know. How I
1: old- believe he was watching a soccer game. The fact that I know so much about this is really <laughs> <laughs> It's
3: worth knowing.
0: Since when did police go and follow up on people who talk about committing crimes on Twitter or, like, bash people we on Twitter? We were talking about this upstairs a little bit.
2: You said, Stacey, you have, like, 300 people that you've blocked on Twitter oh, or so? Oh, yes. De- uh, Desmond, yes. I'm sure you have at least that many. I lose count. You lose count. So you, I'm the two, two of you in particular. Uh, I never blocked anyone. Just dealing with bullshit online all day. I don't know that any of the we were trying to decide what's the, the ultimate face of a of an online abuser. Is it the dog avatar? Right. Is it the picture with your girlfriend? Or is it the picture of your baby? The so there's egg. like all these same personas online that that perpetuate crimes. On, on people who right. have the audacity to express their opinion. But they said Nobody the cops. Them. There's
4: no cops No, after them. I mean, you raised a really good point about this. I mean, how many women have complained about this? Please don't go follow up on it. That
1: is true. But yeah. the
4: statue of Ted Rogers, which I understand is 700 feet tall. <laughs> that thing is, you know, they're really worried about things. What, Desmond, I have to ask you about this. Cops going to chase down a kid? Basically. For the people
3: who listened to the last podcast of yours that I was on... I said then that we have too many police in this city, and I'm going to say it again. <laughs> when, when they're at your door at 8.30 on a Saturday being like, uh, are you that Twitter dude about Ted Rogers statue? Then something's wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something's desperately wrong.
4: And don't the Jays look bad in this, or did the Jays get off scot-free? the Jays got off scot-free. It's more a Rogers thing. Right.
2: Rogers is like looking for reasons to look bad, so they found a good one in this. <laughs> okay. right. my, uh,
1: my mother's hot take on this last night... She was like, I would throw that thing in the harbor. That's just... <laughs> it's All ugly. Right.
4: Where's your mother? They're going to find your mother and <laughs> knock on her door there. Uh, Goose. gossip. So the bat flip... Are we going... I, well, the bat flip came up early. I'm sorry. But the bat flip is, is... I'm surprised. I watched the bat flip on the television when it was happening. And I honestly was so excited. I would have... I almost flipped my TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, That was amazing. Why are we still talking about the bat flip? Why am I still talking about the bat flip on this panel? But, I mean, it seems to not... Was the bat flip a bad thing? Was it, like, was it as disrespectful as people think? it, no, it was the best thing.
0: Was, <laughs> it was, was obviously the most amazing thing of that entire season. And, like, it's emblazoned on sweaters along Queen West, uh, as it should be. This is going to be like a panel of bobbleheads at this point, because we're all just going to be nodding. <laughs> and be like, the, bo- the bat flip was the best.
2: The bat flip was noteworthy, I think, because it was so exuberant, and it was done in a way that we wouldn't ha- – baseball hasn't really seen anything to that degree before, with him standing at the plate and throwing it up in the air. Of course, there has never, ever been an inning like that seventh inning. Yeah, in that, that inning, inning was five. bananas, yeah. There was so much going on there that anyone who would fault any player, let alone Jose, ba- Jose Bautista for, for doing that or expressing himself in that crazy game, that crazy comeback – they are uh, probably a 60-year-old angry white no, guy. Like no, no,
4: no. Actually, well, there's... Yeah, there's this guy, Goose, who made the... What did he say? What did he... He swore a lot. He, he
1: said fucking that, disgrace, yeah, was what disgrace. he said. Disgrace. Jose Batista is a fucking disgrace. But let's be specific. I to swear? I don't even know. Too late. Too late. I'm not your mother. I'm ah. not the
4: one telling people to throw things in a harbor. <laughs> like your mother. <laughs> she was probably like, I'd throw that thing in a fucking harbor. <laughs> I'm your mother. <laughs> Stacy. Uh, no, uh,
3: To be sure. really clear about what he said, though, he also said that Bautista was an embarrassment, but Goose Gossage got really specific, and he said that Bautista was an embarrassment specifically to Latin baseball right. players. Right, he made it game. racial. Yeah. So and
1: much racism has Well,
3: you know, this is not new in baseball or in professional sports. Right. And so there's this common theme around flamboyant, players who are not white that whenever they do something, they're being disrespectful. Don Cherry talking about PK Suvan. We see this in professional sports and these old white guys are not just unhappy that the game is changing around them and that they're old school and things are changing. They're also unhappy that Certain players in the game look different from maybe when they were playing and are getting a lot of cards. Babe Ruth used to friggin... Babe Ruth would point like, like I'm
4: going to hit it over there before he would even get to the plate. Yeah, I saw you know the movie. I saw that movie, yeah. <laughs> it's John Goodman. Was that who played the Babe? He's played him. Played him, yeah. Many him. of our finest actors have yeah. <laughs> taken their turn <laughs> playing
2: Babe uh, I think it's also the, the thing that Goose Gossage is missing is that he's a grown man named Goose who is known yes. for this Talk insane mustache. I mean, those teams that he played on in the Yankees uh, in the 70s in particular were wild. They were wild teams. Absolutely. They were brawling in the shower. They were They were not all about respect for the game. Those The Yankees have a strict uh, dress code. They're not allowed to have hair that touches their collar. They're not allowed to have beards and stuff. But, uh, you know, Goose Gossage and those guys, they pushed the limit 40 years ago, and now here he is deciding that where he pushed the limit to was as far as it needs to go. Okay.
4: I mean, there are people that are not old dudes who thought, in terms of decorum, that's not normal at the plate.
1: The thing that's so weird about this to me is that um, the people who think that the bat flip is a disgrace are the same people who think you should beat up rookies, right? They're the same people who think hazing is a good idea. They're the same... um, people who thought Bryce Harper getting choked was good like the, it's it's this weird kind of you know be respectful of the game but you can be homophobic and you can yeah. you know haze people and humiliate them and i mean might like at the time when the bat flip controversy first happened so long ago <laughs> My hot take on it <laughs> I'm was Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean why, to. Bring like it, up again. there was this weird think of the children thing that like is teaching children the wrong way to play the game. But like I think it's good for kids to be proud of what they do. Like we live in this culture where it's like well you shouldn't show off about, you know, the yeah. things you achieve and it, but I I think he's the best role model ever. Like his I, story. I mean, that's exa- I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he's like his response to Goose Gossage was so class. Like he was just like, "That's not my job to deal with that man." Like it, it was amazing. It the may best, have
3: wow. It may have something to do with the fact though that Jose Bautista's is worth like seventeen zillion dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of this has to have something to do with that and why is it that we're looking to somebody like him to be this classic role? I remember when Robbie Alomar spat in an umpire's face yes. and made disparaging comments about his dead son. Yeah.
4: Okay? What? I don't remember that. Really? Oh, that happened. That was ball
3: that 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 was the, the fine print that everybody forgot because of the
2: spitting. What
4: did his dead son do? No, the umpire, John Hirschbeck. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Good Lord. I thought he made fun of his own dead son. No, 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 no. I'll re-kill my son if you don't call that a friend. <laughs> oh, my God. gonna. Wow. Woo. That is the worst. Right.
2: Um. But, you know,
3: I, I think it's... I remember when that happened, and then Alomar left and went to the Orioles. Yeah. And in his first game, he got a standing ovation. Right. I was in high school, and that was the point at which I had to let go of the idea that people who play baseball for zillions of dollars are supposed to be role models for the rest of society. They're hitting a ball with a stick. Yep. That's it.
2: Yep. That's it. Yep. That's it. I will say that Jose Bautista's story is so compelling. He is so unlike almost every other player in baseball. The, the vast majority of the American players are guys that come from money. It costs a lot of money to develop a big league player to send them to private pitching instructors and put them on travel teams and, and have them go to all these showcases in Florida and California and Texas all summer and winter long. Jose Bautista went from the Dominican Republic and he went to a junior college in Florida where not, you know, taking college classes in not his first language, going to the minor leagues and then kind of seeing the the, the labor side of baseball from a really unique perspective because he played for four different teams in one year because of some of the weird vagaries in the baseball labor law. He was traded. He was basically on his way out of the game, and the Jays gave him a shot. They saw something in his swing. Uh, Cedo Gaston and Vernon Wells, former Blue Jay, kind of said they gave him one little piece of advice, and it unlocked this guy who's now 35 years old, sitting on like a nine-digit pay, uh, 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 payday through incredible hard work, through incredible dedication to taking care of his body. If ever there was a role model in baseball... It's Jose fucking Bautista. Can I
1: add? He self-identifies it as a feminist. That's a real thing. I've won my. You want me to say it again? I'll say it again. <laughs> say it again.
2: Can I? Jose can I, fucking
4: Bautista. Can I? Might I also add, as my friend Nick Flanagan pointed out on this very stage, we think he might be sporting a fake beard. <laughs> I just, I'm just throwing that out there. That was, that was Mini Bautista. i right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a fake beard. Speaking of Bautista and his worth, contracts. There are at least two contracts that everyone's got their eyes on here what (laughs) you okay what happened okay i
2: to push him into like segwaying and now he's taking it and he's running
1: that was my bad no i I like segways
4: what you've done well you're doing have i lost control of the show uh what do you make of what's going on we've got two contracts here at least the people who got their eyes on can you talk about that a bit Drew? sure what or josh josh what do you think who would you like to see them keep both? Keep one? Or, I mean, two guys in their what?
2: Anthony on is 33. 33 and 35. Bautista is yeah. 35. He'll be 36 next year. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, so you know, on a personal level, you want to see the players that you love stay with the team that you love. But you know, be realistic. It's like it's going to cost a bunch of money. is going to be playing until what? Uh, if he gets a contract, 40, 41. Not going to be so hot. You know, if he goes out this year, and has a great season with the Jays. And sign somewhere else, as long as it's not one of like Jay's rivals, I'll be all right with that. You know, he's it's good. like it's probably it really it's like it's probably for the best, best right. for the team if he doesn't sign for like a hundred million dollars, playing till he's that's forty, whatever. That's hard for some
4: people to hear, I bet, because he's so beloved by most people who are fans of fake beards.
2: <laughs>
4: if you can look past the the sharpie beard, you you <laughs> see a guy who is li-
2: quite literally the best player who's ever worn the uniform as a position player right. in terms of his. Time spent as a Blue Jay. That's by right. the end of this year, he'll have racked up so many team records and and just been the face of the mo- the signature moment of the last twenty years of this team. But there's only so much goodwill when everyone knows what these guys get paid and that Blue Jays yeah. Blue Jays have lots of money. Rogers has enough money to send the their secret police after guys for threatening a statue. But they still the I team still that has a budget. they become
1: secret police in this whole narrative. I don't think they
4: have secret police. That's a weird. That's an exaggeration.
2: Let's not pretend like the Kitchener police force is anything other than a Rogers but the, the
1: real question <laughs> is, how did they find him? Like, I want somebody to get to the bottom of... I know we're going back... How rapid. did
4: the police find someone? Is that what you just said?
1: How did they find the guy on Twitter? Do you think oh.
4: he,
2: like, geotagged his tweets from his basement or Absolutely. whatever?
4: Absolutely. It could be that. That's probably what he did. did they just started knocking on doors?
1: A scumbag lives here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please continue. Sir. Sorry. The point. They're,
0: I mean, they are Rogers. They own the internet yeah, yeah. In, in most of this part of the world. Oh so. snap! It I gets didn't
4: little, think of that. It gets yeah, yeah. nefarious. <laughs> yeah, it's getting nefarious now. Yeah. And they own the police. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, there's
2: only so much goodwill that if, when if you're suddenly 39 years old and you're playing 65 games a year and you are bad because you're a much older player. If the Jays are bad at that time as well, a lot of that blame will end up landing on the highest paid player right, sure. and what a mistake the team made by giving him you know, $115 million for four or five years. And if you think
0: back to like what everybody, the first thing that Alex Anthopoulos did that everybody loved, it was trading Vernon Wells, an amazing player who was just getting paid too much money at you know, close to the end of his career.
3: Can we talk about Anthopoulos?
1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
4: I have him on my list of things to talk about. Yeah,
0: because you're slipping, man.
4: No, it's fine. I'm doing fine. I have a thing. <laughs> I'm trying to follow a thing. I have to keep track of
0: everything. What's he, I know he's with the Dodgers. What's he doing, though?
2: I think he's a senior VP of some description. It's a real job. They have just a... It's not like some kid in his basement
4: threatening statues. That guy's got a real job.
2: I I thought he would get sort of a token role, show up every so often, offer his two cents, maybe look at some process stuff in waiting for the next big job to come along, similar to the one that he did with, with the Blue Jays. But it doesn't seem like this is that at all. Well, right. I want
4: to I ask about the the resignation. I want to ask about him moving on, what your take on that is. Desmond, you seem itching to talk about well, it. Well, my
3: beef about Anthopolis was that for years when he was here, he got no respect, no love. Everything that he did was wrong. And then suddenly this year, everything clicks, especially in the Donaldson move. One of the greatest trades of the last, I don't know how long. Unbelievable move. But then classic Toronto, everyone loves Alex Santhopoulos, wants to throw a ticker tape parade for the dude. And it's like, I understand why he left. I If only, look, if the only reason that he left was to pursue a career and be like, you know what, maybe there are some other places where I'll be appreciated more for what I do, I get that, because he was putting this team together quietly for a long time, and no one appreciated it.
4: But don't you think he would have felt some validation once the team clicked and wanted to, would have stayed? It, there was more to it than that, wasn't there? I mean, he left when management shifted too, didn't, it? didn't he? He didn't have a contract.
2: Right. So he was free to go, and he was negotiating with the Blue Jays to find a new role. My perspective on it is that those jobs, you're hired to be fired. Um, and the title that you have is everything because the title offers you opportunities in other places where uh, often in baseball, in the front office in particular, if you have a certain title, they won't let you leave for a la- what they would call a lateral move. So if you are the general right. manager, you can't go to be somebody else's general
4: manager. You need to be somebody else's well, he president was, or he whatever. And he was VP and general manager, right, of the exactly. team? Exactly. So yeah. if he
2: was going to take some, uh, a somewhat lesser role, yeah. that would have been very limiting for him in right. the future. And I think the other bigger thing was just whether or not he thought the working environment was going to be suitable to his style, which is very freewheeling, very sort of fly by the seat of his pants. I mean, we talk about the role, some of the moves that he made. He, he made a lot of risky moves, and they didn't work out, and then they did. Uh, whereas the current uh, regime is very process-driven, very reliant on their secret police force, very, <laughs> like, delegating people all over the place. So,
4: What about Atkins? What do we know about this fellow and how he's... Stacy shaking her head. Didn't he
3: die of a heart attack not after that. some weird diet? No, 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 not that. <laughs> Not okay, that Atkins. Th- I I don't believe Ross I don't Atkins.
4: Them. Not the not the diet guy. That's a good joke. I'm gonna use that later. <laughs> Stacy,
1: I honest I this I feel like the Alex Anthopoulos thing was the most frustrating thing about the offseason. Like it it literally made me want to smash my head against a wall. You were a fan because of- a guy is offered a g- bazillion dollars, and he's like, no, I want more power. And I'm just kind of like, oh, come on! Like, I, this is the minutia of the game. I just, I can't get behind. Like, I just, I don't. It's I the reason I'm shaking my head is like, I don't want to talk about that. The administrative <laughs> stuff is is boring and. It's not that it's boring. It's it seems just a little like, crass
4: that we know how much money everyone. Everyone's just getting jobs, I'm, basically. It's,
1: yeah, and like. We all know I, about. It's him. hard for me to feel a lot of like, you know, nostalgic empathy for Alex Anthopoulos because like. They offered him so much money and and he was like nah like I, 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 you know and everybody manufactured it into this narrative of like they drove him out and right and i'm just They're, like whatever he was a man with a job he didn't want it anymore that's um,
2: i th- i think i wish that there were And
1: i'm probably going to get trolled so bad for saying that no, after this goes I, I think I'm it's a healthy outlook right because
2: better. so few we don't have any visibility into what how things really work front office. We don't really know who does what. We don't really know what the power structure was. So, you know, back to Desmond's point again, when things go wrong, you are just looking for someone to point the finger at, and then things go well, well and, they, and it's, look look for someone to throw it over a amount of praise. There was at. these
1: incredibly frustrating press conferences where nobody would reveal any information, and the media was just asking, like, dozens of questions, and they'd be like, I can't talk about that right now. And I was just like, why am I watching this? Like, it's just, just deal with your stuff and let's have some baseball. Like, I, I don't know. But does he not...
4: Didn't
0: he deserve a lot of praise for what happened with the team? Like, people... I'm, I'm gonna remember... Did you, do you remember that moment where he gave, like, a speech in the clubhouse after one of the playoff games and it's just, like, it's a fat guy in a tight white shirt, like, with beer on his, like, everywhere and he's like, this season was so fucking amazing. That you was, was, like, that was I the just... best thing, that, that he
2: is a baseball guy and I think that he has a, the look of more of a business guy but he's a baseball guy through and through, and right. he swears like a lunatic. Like constantly, every other word is profanity when the microphones are off, <laughs> and as soon as they go on, he turns back into you know TV persona Alex. So that, I think that was fun for people to get a look at kind of that rare moment of, it was, that was the executive bat flip, I think was oh. that we could classify. Nicely
4: done. <laughs> Nicely done. I want to talk about this team's impact on the city because we, you made a crack about Toronto, typical Toronto, ticker tape parade when things are going well how do the blue jays tangibly impact this city i'm curious if there's a way to talk about that uh, and the mood they set last year because i noticed it i don't even live in this city but we felt it it was reverberating around city, like uh, in the vicinity of the city if you will can you talk about that yeah
3: everything's more fun when
4: you're winning and the jays were
3: just so impressive for such long stretches of time last season it was infectious, like it would be in the, I'm, I'm a news guy, and sports doesn't often make it to the front of the news, but when the Jays were on a streak, everybody wanted to talk about it, and when they realized that it was a playoff team, then everybody really got on board. We got worried at the like news radio station that I work at that the Jays were gonna steal all of our ratings if they got into the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like this was a big deal, it, it got people excited, it got a lot of bar owners filthy rich selling beer, in, yeah. And a lot of day drunk, the, the day drunk was so strong last year, especially when the playoffs came around. And these, like, you know, they don't want to give the Jays the good TV time, so we get the, like, 2.30 start. <laughs> and the day drunk was real in the city yeah. of Toronto. I, I enjoyed that part the most, think. time. <laughs>
4: what, Josh, what about you? You you Are are you guys all from the city? I know you're from Oshawa, yeah, yeah, Jasmine. Yep. Grew, up originally. In Oshawa, yeah. grew up in Oshawa. But uh, is everyone here from the city originally? Scarborough and Newmarket. They didn't want to say it into the microphone. I noticed. Scarborough. A bit from Toronto. Josh is from Toronto. You grew up in this city with this team. What does this team mean to you as a citizen? Like, it's a team, but
0: I mean, it's baseball. It's just, it's just a fun diversion. I really love it. It's, Says you. It's <laughs> it's fucking fun when they win, and it's fun for people here. <laughs> You know, it's still, it's still baseball, but yeah, I mean, Toron- But people in Toronto are really fickle, right? It's like, we were the losing a city for 20, 25 years, yep. we're still the losing a city, in, or I guess less so right now, Raptors are good, Blue Jays are good, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always curious, like, how does Toronto compare to other cities, where, you know, pe- people, people in Toronto kind of like to beat up on themselves, like, oh, we're so fickle, you know, about our teams, and... Happy. But there's a Everybody's happy when their teams are winning, and everybody's sure. pissed off when their teams are. Sure,
4: that's that's normal enough, but it does seem to be a, a, a real thing in Toronto where people expect to lose, like they're more surprised when the the teams are winning.
3: I was talking about this with a friend today, actually, who we were talking about '92, '93, and how it's almost as though there's an insulation now where when people lose in Toronto, it's like, well, I wasn't expecting that much anyway. And, uh, it, you know, it's from all this... I don't know. I enjoyed last season so much that when the Jays did get knocked out, I was like, I'm good. I had such a fun yeah, time agreed. watching baseball this season that it didn't matter when they got knocked out because I felt like I got so much more than my money's worth this season. It was I awesome. had a
1: hysterical cry in the back of a cab. So, you and I... It's Ugly <laughs> oh, <man>. Ugliest cry <laughs> in <really> possible. <laughs> this I is think... Uh,
2: wh- one thing I'll say that, that I think the best part about the Blue Jays season and the Blue Jays run was it was testament to the best parts about baseball because baseball's played A, in the summer when there's not as much going on Uh, B, it's the summer so it's and you're outside and you're in the sun and they play every day and it's kind of perfectly made for social media and for kind of Different kinds of conversations because every day there's a new game. Every day people gather on Twitter, yep. they gather in the bars. Not not every Sunday or a couple times a week or on oh, what, is there a game today? You never know if you know if it's the Leafs or the Raptors, whatever. Every day, all summer long. And it's almost like this drum beat and the and the Jays just kept winning. So it's like, there's a game today? Did they win today? Was there a game today? Of course. Both. Yes. They played, they won. Every day. August, September. And then it comes into October and then it's just like this whole other level where it sort of consumes the city like anything's going to. But again, they play every day. There's an off day and then there's two more games. And And
4: it's ultimately really good for the game. Because more people pick up the game if it's in the news more. Like when the World (laughs) Cup happens... You just see people playing soccer everywhere, I find, and baseball is the same thing. Like, although it, it was great ball. I mean, like, yeah, for those
3: of us who really love the game, who've been following the game for a long time, and who played the game, you know, seeing Ryan Goins develop at second base and start even hitting this year, in addition to the unbelievable defense, Ryan Goins' defense is worth watching baseball for. I can go and sit in the stands somewhere on, you know, the right field side of the stands. And watch Ryan Gones play second base. And if the Jays win or lose, it doesn't matter because the man is fun to watch. Right. We had the MVP of the entire league yep. this year yep. in Josh Donaldson, whose name hasn't even been mentioned yet. You know, like it was good baseball.
2: I Not, agree. Neither his name nor his uh, beautiful nickname that he was dubbed
1: the charming dirtbag boyfriend. <laughs> Who?
4: Did you
2: give him that
1: name? Yeah, and There's two he, nicknames you gave him. It's actually Josh Donaldson approved. He likes I, the name. I asked him on Twitter if he felt okay with us calling him our charming dirtbag boyfriend. And he was like, I'm okay with it. Did you ask him about hey. that? And I know that he was on Twitter and he made this gesture. Yeah. He was like, We're yeah, girl. What
2: else? Baby. Did you happen to ask him about the liquid hot sexual gold? Did you ask him yeah, about that? Yeah, no, one?
1: I didn't ask him about liquid hot Oh my liquid,
2: God, hot, it's sexual. getting
1: you hot You had to here. bring that up, didn't you? That's the
2: nickname that I think of first when I think yeah. of it now.
4: So we were talking about baseball, we were talking about Toronto, and uh, I was trying to talk a little bit about the impact of of the sport itself on the city. We live in a, I'd say we live in a tiered city in terms of sports franchises with the Leafs on top. It seems no matter what is going on, the Leafs are still what people talk about. Do you feel as, I mean you, everyone on here on the stage is biased, but do you actually feel that is changing in general? Are people um, talking more about the, the Raptors? I have some and the-
1: anecdotal evidence of this. So my entire—I've li- life... always wanted to go to a hockey game my entire life, but hockey games were like you cannot afford to go to a hockey game. I've been to three hockey games this—I I was gonna in the off season, like because that's how that's what hockey is—the off season, right? Sure. Um, because it became affordable, like it became possible to go to a hockey game, and I know that's not like scientific, but. It feels to me like if I'm going to a sold out game at spring training and I can afford to buy hockey tickets, that feels like some things are shifting a lot. Are little the bit.
4: prices going down because they're losing
1: all the time? Is that what happens? You just get them on stuff, Like, Oh, it's you like just a $40 ticket the... to, to a hockey game. It's like. Oh. And it used to be like $600 to stand behind a pole. And now it's.
4: Like... We, we try not to refer to the Polish people that way on, on the show. I know that you have problems with them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does like a anyone pillar, else... I mean a pillar <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a pillar, sorry uh, Does anyone else have any uh, insight on that? I just feel like I grew up in this area oh. hearing about the Leafs constantly and until the Jays won those World Series it's the first time everyone started paying attention I, I gotta say,
3: I was born in Red Deer, Alberta and I grew up in the days of Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier and m- some of my first memories are my dad and I watching the Oilers just dominate and destroy everything. Yeah, right. So when I moved here, I tried to take up Leafs hockey, and for a long time I did. But I hate the culture of hockey in this city. I hate the loser, woe is me culture that is hockey in the city, and so now I cheer for the Oilers because if I'm gonna have a basement team, I at least want one that I can watch and not sure. hear all the garbage about. The Raptors are doing great. That's great to see as well. But, like, you know, I I, I feel like this whole Leafs thing is kind of old guard. When we talk about old school, new school, if we're talking about sports in general in Toronto, the Leafs are out right now. No one cares. It's always, like, rebuilding. And the Jays and I think maybe even more so the Raptors are really exciting right now. The
4: Raptors have ascended in public awareness, I think. It's awesome. No, Except it's great I can't afford to go to a Raptors game no more. Yeah, this, it's flipped, hasn't it? Yeah. Do you think there are racial and cultural implications in terms of what sports and what teams galvanize people in the city? Well,
3: you know, people say that <laughs> black people don't like baseball, and I just want to correct the record on that. This is, no, this is really important. I'm being serious here. If you don't think that black people and brown people like baseball, go to the Sky Dome and check out the concession stands. We are all
4: over selling popcorn and <laughs> selling beer and selling licorice. That's a weird way of gauging interest in a particular event or spectacle.
3: You know what? Toronto is one of the most segregated cities in the entire world. We need to start actually being honest and talking about that. Sure, no, I agree. People who are white sit in the stands and enjoy the game and have a beer. And people who are black and brown serve the beer and serve the popcorn and the hot dogs. And that's like that, not just in a baseball game, but everywhere. And I do wish we would start talking about that more. It's, it's, it's real, and it's part of the reason why somebody like Goose Gossage thinks he can go after Jose Bautista for being what he calls Latin. Because the game has been a white man's game for a long time. You know, when Hank Aaron was about to ba- break Babe Ruth's record, he got death threats He was about to break the home run record. He got death threats. He got people telling him you're a disgrace and all this nonsense. We've been hearing this for a long time. So, yeah, we got to be be real about this. There is a huge racial divide in all
4: sports. This isn't telling – I don't know if this is – this is not a revelatory statement, but it's probably fair to say that basketball and baseball are likely the most multicultural sports in terms of makeup in, in North American franchises. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. I
2: do think that the Blue Jays in particular have done a really poor job of marketing themselves to potential new audiences. For me, sitting there, and I say, like, there are huge South Asian populations in, in Southern Ontario. Why are why is there not, like, a concerted effort to recruit people who are new to Canada to come and partake in baseball and, and, and understand baseball? And if you, I could say something like, say, blue cricket, but it doesn't even have to do well, with that. Well, what just, were you like, going
4: to say about... That was not a sentence. I just was curious.
2: I could. I, I didn't want. To, I don't want to go, go ahead and say I it. Like, was just well, teeing are... up a
4: cricket joke because I can do that <laughs> with my background, and I was looking forward to it, and you beat me to it. The South Asian audience would probably relate to the sport more than other audiences, technically.
1: Well, I, I mean, to your point, like there are so many teams that have like theme nights. Like we don't even have a Pride night. Which is crazy to me. We don't, like, so many MLB teams have, like, a, a gay pride event. Really? And we don't do it. And I don't think we've ever done it, have we? Oh, not
0: that Which, to
1: me, in Toronto is kind of batshit, right? Like, imagine how successful that would be. And are we not
4: maybe living in a vacuum version of Toronto where, I mean, I know he's going through a terrible situation. But obviously Rob Ford's Toronto is different, and the people that support Rob Ford, that's a different Toronto than the one that you're and thinking of. Do, you,
1: like, do you think baseball is Rob Ford's Toronto?
4: No, I don't necessarily. I don't think I'm
1: supposed to ask you questions. That's no, weird. no, you can. No, you
4: can. No, I don't necessarily think that, but I think Toronto is a more complicated city. We feel more progressive sometimes than we are. I say that's not living in the city. But it seems like... A, do you know what I'm saying? I don't want... This is a whole other can of worms to open up, but... This guy was elected. This guy who refused to go to the gay pride parade every year that he was in office, that's probably... And he was, in a way, he was given a mandate to do that by the people who voted him in. So that's weird. Anyway, it may, in that, on that level, it maybe isn't that weird. But at this point, maybe they should do it. Shouldn't the Toronto Blue Jays have a gay pride night? Don't you think? It seems weird that that's not happening. I mean...
3: Man, don't get me started about Rob Ford and his Toronto butt. Um, the Jays, when they're playing well, don't need any kind of promotion. Like, they could have uh, spit on the Ted Rogers statue day and people would still come. You know what I mean? Like,
2: definitely. They, they, they def- I, I'd be the first one there. <laughs> um, but it's a giant statue, by the way. You have you to bring up the statue to spit on the people and people still come. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> they haven't thought about that because <laughs> we are bringing so many engineers working up there. <laughs> we're, because
3: we're bringing There's this up, I do remember when um, it was um, um, blanking on his name now. Shortstop wore the homophobic eye uh, black. Escobar. you now Escobar. Thank you. you know, Escobar. Right. And and so homophobia also is a big deal in sports. You got to give it up to Brian Burke when he was a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization and trying to talk openly about homophobia in sports. There are opportunities like that. I agree with Stacey in Toronto. And when something like that happens, when a player on your team comes out with homophobic writing as part of his uniform, yeah. there are opportunities to yeah. say as a city and as a baseball team, that's not who we are. Yeah. Or at least, even if that is who we are, we got to change that shit.
4: I agree. I agree. We are running out of time, so I want to try to wrap this up as... Uh well, as I can, we, uh, I want to ask you guys about the season ahead and uh, how you feel this team can replicate the success of last year but also obviously outdo it and go all the way. Does anyone here have any thoughts on that at this point?
0: It's going to be a great season. I mean, sup- super looking forward to it. Haven't been optimistic about a season in a long time. Wasn't, like, generally not optimistic even last year when... You know, the team was totally set up to do well. Last
4: year was a surprise, right? Like in terms. Yeah, of, yeah. I think it was for sure. Like it was lined up. You do what you can, right? You build your team, and it seemed like it was going to be okay. But obviously, the
0: success was a huge surprise. And th- this year, it, it's like, you know, it's it's the twilight of this Blue Jays team, right? Like a lot of yeah. a lot of the players might be moving on. So it's like it's it's going to be a really different looking team. So I don't know. I, I'm going to enjoy this. This team and like you know this era of of Blue Jays.
4: Drew, do you foresee specific uh, teams that will pose a threat to this Blue Jays team? Well, the goddamn Royals. If if I could ever figure ah. out like
2: <laughs> the the weird sequence of yeah, that was selling weird. that they executed yeah. to do the things that they've done, uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, of course, the two main rivals and the future teams of Jose Bautista and Emmer, Edwin Encarnacion, they did, they both improved pre- significantly in the yeah. offseason. Uh, maybe not the Yankees, the Red Sox would be hard pressed to be as bad this year as they were last year. But I think the main thing I keep coming back to, and I think I almost have to remind myself, uh, is that all the things that made the Jays so good for that stretch of last year, and even the beginning of last year when all the elements were there, all those pieces are returning. The only thing they're really missing is David Price, but they still scored more runs than any team in baseball by like 150 runs or something I've seen like that. They're still gonna beat the brains out of every team that they come across in terms of their offense. Uh, it's going to be a great season, and so much of the things that made it great last year are all in place to return and uh, follow up.
1: I mean, my big takeaway from spring training, we we had a lot of pessimism about our pitching when we lost David Price. We were like, oh, we're so fucked now. What are we going to do? Our pitching looks great. Yeah. I mean, I'm no expert, but like... What are they, 11-4
4: and four right now? Like, in... For what it's the worth, the Nationals yeah. just snuck
1: by them in the Grapefruit League, I'm right. so mad about that. It's Bryce Harper, <laughs> you beautiful man. Um, but it, our pitching looks really solid, right? And yeah. I like I think that we're all terrified because we lost Price, and I don't I don't think that that's a real thing to worry about, to be honest. Okay. Like, bye, summer camp boyfriend. See you later. Like, I just whatever.
4: Oh no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking forward
3: to watching more infield defense, which I think is some of the most exciting stuff in the game. That's why I'm an, uh, an Alomar fan for life, because when you have great defense on the infield, not just offense, but when the defense comes back on the field, it just makes things so much more exciting to watch. I look forward to more of Edwin Encarnacion's wacky antics in the dugout because I think he is the funniest, most animated dude on the team. And I hope like, he gets re-signed, yeah. Yeah, a, a, and finally... Muninori kawasaki how did we go an entire con- like conversation without talking about him he's not going to be back this year but
4: the that's the, probably why well <laughs> ouch, Was it germane ouch. to our blue jays conversation ouch sorry should i continue no go ahead <laughs> um, sorry
3: the thing about kawasaki though is that like and i noticed this about the leafs too toronto likes the bit players right right toronto likes these kind of scrappy lunch-pail, $900,000-a-year blue-collar kind of players, right? (laughs) And Kawasaki was that guy, and he would get people up in the stands just by coming up to the plate, just by being him. And I hope that this season, now that we have all this excitement about our team, I hope we see that spirit continue. When you go to a game and you sit in the 500s, that's what's really fun about baseball is people going out, they're called fans for a reason, yeah. fanatic. Like, yeah. be silly, be stupid, go cheer, go have a good time, forget yourself and your stupid Toronto stuck-upness for a minute, and go watch some friggin' baseball.
4: All right, Desmond, well Woo. put. I'm going to do a very, we're, we're pretty much out of time, I'm going to do a very quick lightning round and go around uh, this panel. If Ross Atkins asked you for one piece of advice, what would you offer? We'll start with Stacy. Stacey.
1: Talk to me. I don't care. Okay. Like t- Is that about me or
4: Russ? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, I'm, I'm, I'm offended.
1: New dad. I don't want to talk to new dad.
3: <laughs> I was going to say eat more carbs, but I think I wore that joke out already. So okay. I it's good none. that it's,
2: that's a callback. I think they call it that in the, in the business, <laughs> don't they? Eat more carbs.
4: I liked it. It's good. You got anything? Uh, For Russ? Listen to
2: your actual, your boss, the actual general manager, Mark Shapiro. Do what he says. Josh? What else you got?
0: <laughs> next question.
4: <laughs> I've never had anyone do a next question for a lightning round. That's good. Pass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of this program. If you want to follow, there are no more questions in the lightning round. We are out of time. Uh, Stacy May Fowles can be found at stacymayfowles.com, and you can follow her on Twitter at May Please be nice. Also, yeah, how about a hand for Stacy? Thank you, Stacy. Drew Service is the host of Bir- the Birds All Day podcast. And you can learn more about him at Ghostrunner on First.com and also on Twitter, at Drew, G-R-O-F. Right? Drew, I'm going to hand for Drew. Desmond Cole is a columnist for the Toronto Star. He also uh, does a show on News Talk 1010 and the C- Canada Land Commons podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Desmond Cole how about a hand for Desmond Cole and Josh Zucker plays guitar and fucked up and he helped co-organize this entire Long Winter thing how about a hand for that hey. Josh do you want to give uh, people your uh, online coordinates
0: no at long because they might come to your I house don't find but me yeah yeah at Long Rogers Winter Rogers can find me that's <laughs> everybody else
4: <laughs> at Long Winter To for more information on Twitter what was I going to say oh I have stuff to tell you about I'm on Twitter at Desmond
3: Cole by the way I did say that did you say that I did
4: yeah I was too busy dreaming about the
3: awesome things you are going to say
4: I did at Desmond Cole right everyone follow Desmond he's great but now he's you've said it good. three times I know now it's going to appear before us or something I don't know what the hell that means I have a couple of quick uh, announcements <laughs> we are doing another taping uh, of Long Night with Vishkana here tomorrow night did you know that? Our guests tomorrow night are Jay Ferguson and Patrick Pentland of the rock outfit Sloan. We have Zane Kaplansky doing a live cooking demo. Apparently, he's going to make us uh, Reuben sandwiches. I don't know what that is. That good? Is that a good? I don't eat the Reuben. Good sandwich. Okay, that's going to be good. Filmmaker Caitlin Durlach is going to be here. A performance by the band So Long Seven. And just announced today, after finding out yesterday. Uh, for a conversation here uh, tomorrow. CBC Radio Q host Shad will be here. So come on back. That'll be fun. <laughs> on April 8th, Long Night with Vishkana <laughs> is taping at the transact as part of Spur Festival with our guests Hadani Ditmars, Dr. Karis uh, Mazzarella, and Omar Musa will be here. And on April 9th, Nathan Lore of the Minotaurs and Pia Chattopadhyay will be my guests on this podcast at the Drake, presented by Massey Hall. Please come out to all of those things. Creative Control of Vishkana is available on iTunes and audioboom.com, and you can uh, make a flexible monthly donation at patreon.com. That would be a, a thrill if you could do that. Also, airs on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and the CFRU.ca. You can follow me on Twitter at VishConnor or at VishCreative, and I'm also on Facebook. How about a hand for all the things I just had to promote? Thank you for being here on our Toronto Blue Jays panel.